turning together to Proverbs as we continue our series in the Sabbath afternoons. Looking at some themes and topics in the book of Wisdom. In Proverbs, we have looked at the fear of the Lord as the chief part of wisdom. We don't even begin to know God and to be wise in the Lord until we reverence the Lord, until we fear Him. And this afternoon, I'd like us to focus on three verses that speak of the wisdom of prayer in the book of Proverbs. Beginning with chapter 15 and verse 8. I'd like to read these three verses to us. Proverbs 15, verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. And verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the of the righteous. And then in chapter 28 and verse 9, Scripture says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. These are the three verses where prayer is mentioned. There are other verses that suggest prayer, indicate prayer. I'd like us to focus on these three in particular in the book of Proverbs. The prayer in Proverbs is an expression of wisdom. People who do not pray are foolish. It says of the wicked, for instance, in Psalm 10, verse 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts or plans. Prayer is a way to find safe passage in life and into eternity. Chapter 15 and verse 8 indicates, and I'd like to take these chronologically, that prayer is pleading the merits of Christ's blood to find peace with God. Prayer is to be a pleading of the merits of Christ's blood to find peace with God. Proverbs 15 and verse 8 once again, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. You remember in Proverbs, it's a book in the section of wisdom literature. And unlike English, Hebrew poetry is, does not really rely upon uh, rhyming, though there may be rhyming in, in the English that might be by accident. And there, may, and there certainly are plays on words in Hebrew literature that may rhyme and sound alike. But Hebrew literature is dealing with parallelism. I think you remember us uh, discussing that. There are at least three, time, three kinds of parallelism. There is a synonymous parallelism where the second line um, is, is basically saying the same thing as the first line. 
there is synthetic parallelism where the second line is progressive. It adds to the same thought of the first line. And then there is antithetic parallelism, you remember. And that is what we find, for instance, in verse 9, where you have the second thought contradicting or the opposites, I mean, of the first, where we read, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the, to, to the Lord, but, so you have the antithetic idea, but, uh, sorry, verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an, is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And so, you have you have the antithetic parallelism so you'll also have the parallel thoughts too so sacrifice is parallel with prayer and abomination is parallel with delight and of course wicked is parallel with upright so it it's in a sense, comparing prayer with sacrifice. And when you think of sacrifice, it's not so much I'm sacrificing something. It's, it's in, in, in the theology of the Old Testament, it is the way in which God is approached on the ground of atonement. So when we think of sacrifice in the Scripture, it's, it's pleading the merits of Christ's blood. And it's so prayer is really, uh, as you see here, parallel with sacrifice. So it's not we're not saying prayer is a sacrifice so much as as prayer is the pleading of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of the wicked, what they offer, is their good works to God, and it's abomination to Him. And it's not that we're offering prayer as if it's the prayer of good works, but we're offering prayer to God on the merits of Christ's blood. And you anticipate so much teaching in the New Testament on prayer in the name, the reputation upon the, uh, the uh, success of the atonement of the Lord Jesus. And so it's very suggestive here that we need to be careful that when we approach God, it's always on the merits of Christ. And we take for granted, and I think we can become so uh, perfunctory in our praying, that when we close our prayer, we normally conclude with in the name of Christ or in Jesus' name. We can take God's name in vain if we're not thinking about what is actually being expressed there. We are being we are confident that we have not gained access to God on our own merits. We're saying to the Lord that what we've asked for, well, first of all, that our our leverage to Thee is through Christ, and that what we've asked for, we believe He is purchased by His blood. It's all in the will of God, and we're praying that the Father would glorify His Son by answering our prayers. And it's in Think of the opposite. Well, the abomination is one of the worst words to describe God's disgust that we can find in the Bible. 
it's obnoxious to God that anyone would ever offer his own righteousness as a leverage to God or the basis on which God would answer their prayers or bless them. The only, the only uh, odor that is a sweet odor to God is the sweet odor of Christ. That's, just, that's something we need to build upon and, and grow in understanding that from the beginning to the end of our praying we should be contemplating the fact that Christ is at God's right hand pleading His merits and, and that we have access to God through Him. We should count Christ more and more precious to us. Notice this. The prayer, that is, again, the pleading of the merits of Christ's blood is to the Lord, to Yahweh, to the the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, a delight. And yet how often we neglect that which is a delight to God. Perhaps you remember when you grew up what what you knew was a delight to your father or mother. It was something you wanted them you wanted to do for them and you wanted to you know whatever it might have been you know, pick up you know clean your room or um, come when you're called or and of course as sinners we sometimes did the opposite but we we did love our parents and we wanted to do that which was pleasing to them you know it pleases God for us to pray that is through Christ does not please God if we are not thinking of Christ when we're praying, when we're communing with God. But it's a delight to Him. It's not just... You know, delight is a very strong word. It's, it, how would, how, what other would we, synonym would we use? He, it is a pleasure to Him. It is, it is in a sense, uh, exciting to Him that His Son is being promoted. His Son is being remembered. How often have we forgotten the Lord and forgotten Jesus? Days without number. How can you not think of Christ when Joseph says to the, the butler, right? When it, when it shall go well with you, remember me. Remember me. And he forgot him, remember. Was it not two whole years? And Jeremiah would say, we have forgotten you days without number. Think of the, the days that go by when we're not praying through the day. When our, when our prayer in our morning devotion um, ends our communication with God until the next morning or maybe in the evening. When David prayed, and I know that he would be here to say, that was my goal. And it was, it was, it was my... Um, it wasn't my consistency, but it was my goal to, to be able to say, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. So may I encourage us to pray more often because it pleases God and it's a blessed assumption we should say when we conclude but even begin our prayer In Jesus' name I come to you, Father. I plead the merits of His blood 
the suffering for my sins. I plead Jesus' name as I come to you. And for Jesus' sake, would you hear these prayers? And I conclude my praying remembering that Jesus died for these benefits. And therefore, I pray believingly and I, and I anticipate answers to prayer because it will reward your Son. So prayer is pleading the merits of Christ's blood to find peace with God and to know it delights the Lord that you and I as His children pray in His, in His Son's name. And let us do that which delights the Lord. Then we find in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29, having gained uh, peace with God, communion with God, prayer is continuing a dialogue and devotion to God. Chapter 15 again, verse 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. The hearing is parallel with far. He's near the prayer of the righteous. Uh, Hearing and praying go together. They're parallel with far, aren't they? And the wicked, again, is parallel with righteous. So this, again, is antithetic parallelism. The second is a reverse to the first. But if you compare with verse 8, where you've gained access through the merits of Christ, you continue that access because Christ died once for all. And we find that He continues to hear the prayer of the righteous. Notice the heareth the prayer of the righteous. The Lord's far from the wicked, even though He's omnipresent. He's still far in His heart, certainly, in His regarding His grace. But He's near to you and me. And so closeness to God in many ways dependent on our communing with God in prayer. That's how we draw near to God and how He draws near to us. And didn't James say that? Draw near to God and He will draw near to us. I'll never forget Mike Barrett saying, my wife says, well, don't keep saying you never forget because you might get Alzheimer's and even if you didn't, you're going to forget things. So I guess I have to say something different sometimes, but um, it's hard. it will be hard for me to forget what Mike Barrett said, that we are as near to God as we want to be. And that really hit home. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So if if God isn't near to me and I'm not near to Him and that means I haven't haven't prayed. I haven't walked with God. We sing nearer, still nearer. Is that true for us? Is God close to us? As we have drawn near to Him? He wants to be. But do we want to be? Again, we're as close to God as we want to be in many ways. A wicked person's prayer does not draw but drive God from him. He may pray, but it drives God from him if he's not praying through the merits of Christ 
if he's not praying for repentance and faith, if he's not praying humbly, if he's not if he's pleading his own righteousness, then God is far from him. Jesus said, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So again, it's an abomination for anyone to pray to come to God without coming through Christ. Now how often are are religious people taught to pray the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's model prayer, but they often say they pray to God, but are you praying through Christ? You and I who are praying to God through Christ, are we continuing that dialogue and devotion to God? Having gained that communion, verse 8, the idea continues that prayer is a continuing dialogue and, and devotion to the Lord through the name of Christ. How are we doing with our communing with God? Walking with God? How are we doing in our prayer lives? Are we, are we burdened to pray more often? Are we burdened to draw nearer to God than we've ever been? Do we want, like McShane, to be as holy as pardoned sinners can be? It's said of him dying at 29 that the Lord plucked the flower before it wilted. But it's also saying that the man was so close to God at 29 that, and I'm 62, and sometimes I think the Lord is keeping me alive so that I might draw near to Him. That if I'd have died at 29, I was you know, so far, so far from God as far as my prayer life. And, but has it increased all those years? And that challenge is we want to be as close to God as we can be before He takes us to glory. Sometimes I do pray, Lord, You've left me another day because I need to repent of my sins more. Because I'm not as close to You as I should be. But I thank You for Your long-suffering. It's God's love that He wants us. I've often prayed this, Lord, don't let me die yet because I I offend You so much. And I'm not ready to die. I'm so far from You. And I, I still don't have victory over certain sins. Please help me to redeem the time. The little bit that may be left. Do we wake up every morning and say, Lord, thank You for another day, but may it be a day where I draw closer to God. Closer to God. Please let us maintain communion by prayer. Maintain communion by prayer. And then thirdly, and lastly, Chapter 28 and verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, shall be abomination. Communion is broken by sins, where even religious activity like prayer becomes abomination to God. This is not merely only a verse for unsaved people. It's easy to jump to an unsaved person to read verse 9. While unsaved people turn away their ear from hearing the, the law of God, the Word of God, 
so their prayer shall be abomination. But it seems to, to me to be speaking to believers more to unbelievers. Because it's speaking to someone that is known for praying. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, so it seems like it's a praying person, shall be or become abomination. And you remember the verse that says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isn't that a scary verse? It's like the verse in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you will not forgive your brother or sister their trespasses, neither will your Father. It's your Father. It's not just your God. It's not an unsafe person He's talking. He's talking to a believer. Your Father will not forgive you. It doesn't say that you'll lose your salvation. It's saying that you put a stiff arm up to your brother... God will put a stiff arm up to us. And so often we, we forget the vertical love of God and the forgiveness of God when we treat one another on the horizontal. When someone offends us, look out. You know, we, we, we're vindictive and we're, we're uh, um, mean-spirited and unforgiving and, and we want to put them through the through the... Um, torture chamber of proving that they're truly repentant. When God says if they repent, forgive them. He doesn't say, well, study their heart, make sure they're repentant before you forgive them. Now granted, the consequences still may follow and, and there still might be probation as far as uh, some of the privileges that they're entered back into, but yet the Lord says if they repent, forgive them. And you remember the parable of the of the servant that was forgiven greatly by his Lord. And he turns around and throttles his fellow servant's throat for something that compared to what we've done for the Lord is, is uh, not minuscule in the sense it's very, it could be very offensive. And, and yet what we've done to the Lord is, is abominable. We've, we've broken all of His commandments in thought, word, and action. But you and I can turn away our hearts from hearing the law, even about forgiving others and about idols that the Lord touches in our lives that we will not give up, right? So communion, though it's precious, remember from chapter 15, pleading the merits of Christ's blood, gain access and peace with God. And, and that prayer is, is keeping up close communion with the Lord throughout the day, throughout our lives. But let us beware of sin. Communion is broken by sins where even religious activity like prayer becomes abomination to God. That's a scary thing to me that my prayer would be offensive to the Lord if He indeed knows that I need to leave my gift at the altar and go be reconciled to my brother and sister or sister or some sin that I'm harboring an unforgiving spirit what could it be brother or sister Is, does any of, any of us here today have an outstanding sin and yet we've said our prayers we've 
read our Bibles. We've been church going and yet perhaps it's been a while. And the Lord is saying, your prayer has been obnoxious to me because I'm all-knowing and I'm a gracious God and here you are in my presence seeking to honor me and you stink. Your, your sins stink. So it's not just dealing with a religious person, but it's also dealing with a Christian. And so we need to say, Lord, I do not regard iniquity in my heart. As far as I know, I've confessed my sins and especially forgive me of secret sins. And forgive me, Lord. I do forgive those who are indebted to me. And Lord, may those that I have been um, vindictive toward and unforgiving toward, may they forgive me. And if I need to call any of them and ask them for forgiveness, whatever it takes, I want to be sweet savor in Christ to you when I approach you in worship and in prayer. Oh, may God help us to turn our ears to God's law every day. And to keep this verse in mind when we even approach the Lord in public worship. Lord, I've come and help me to turn my ear to Your law. And may my prayer be, as it says earlier, not an abomination, but a great delight to the Lord. Just some simple thoughts on prayer from Proverbs. But Proverbs teaches us the wisdom of prayer. Wise people pray. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. The fool may pray, but if he maintains his foolishness and his, his self-righteousness, his prayer is stinking to God. What a blessing to know that in Christ our praying with repentant hearts is delightful to God. And what a wonderful means by which we walk with God every day. May it not be morning He will hear my voice. But may we learn to, to experience evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He will hear my voice. 